At Kelly Companies, it is no secret that they believe in the power of people. In an effort to help their Keelians get to know each other a little bit better, they decided to launch the Who Do You Know campaign. The goal was simple. Keelians were encouraged to have a conversation with someone outside of their circle. That's it. These conversations, however, have brought people together and farthered their world-class culture. Shout out to the Keelians who have made an effort to have meaningful conversations with new friends. You can learn more about those conversations, about those amazing friends, by visiting them online at Keely Companies. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. It's not often that we do this on Thursdays, but I'm going to begin this Thursday episode with a quote. The quote is actually going to come from our guest today. You're going to love him. You're going to love this quote, so let's get after it together. Our lives, you and mine, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think will shape who we become. I want you to hear that again. It is worth writing down one more time. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think about will shape who we become. Craig Rochelle is a senior pastor of Life Church. It's one of the largest churches in the world. He's also the creator of the free YouVersion Bible app. It's given away millions and millions and millions and millions of Bibles digitally around the world. As a New York Times bestselling author, Craig writes on a wide variety of topics, including dating and marriage and social media and purpose, anxiety, direction, church leadership, and so much more. Today, my friend Craig is going to share his unlikely journey to discovering his faith. It's an amazing story. Stick around for it. How he remains hopeful in a season of change and challenge, and how to defy your thinking and change your course of life for better revealing strategies that he has found most beneficial in his life. In addition, Craig recently released the book, Winning the War in Your Mind for Teens. It's an awesome book for you teenagers out there, you parents or grandparents of teens. He's going to share how we can better support our kids and young adults and helping them find freedom from the grip of harmful and destructive thinking. My friends, many of you listening to my voice right now already know the name Craig Grishel. He's got millions of followers around the world, impacted millions and millions and millions of lives, maybe yours right now. And yet, if you've not yet been impacted by him, by his work, by his research, by his sermons, by his books, I promise you at the end of this episode, you will be. So here's my encouragement right now. Buckle up people. Get ready for the ride. Grab your favorite Live Inspired journal and pen and get ready to ignite the limitless possibility of your life with my friend and now yours. His name is Craig Rochelle. Craig, welcome, man, to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Hey, John, I'm honored to be on with you and thank you for using your life and your story to inspire people all over the world. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to do that with you. 
what we are going to do together, I'm primarily going to be seated here cross-legged, just asking questions and taking notes mm -hmm. because I've been looking up to you, man, for as long as I've been doing this work and to have you on our podcast to introduce you to a whole lot of friends who know you and probably a whole lot of friends around our country and around the world who don't. Mm -hmm. This is my honor, and it's going to be theirs by the end of it. So let's get ready to rock and roll with kind of a layup question. If I bumped into you in Houston or Oklahoma City yep. or somewhere else around the country in a grocery store, and I said, Craig, huh, man, what do you do for a living? Yeah. How would you respond to that? Well, it's funny you mentioned Houston. So I was born in Houston, and you probably didn't know that, and then now I live in Oklahoma City. So uh, if you ask me how, uh, what I do for a living, it, I would say I do several things, but my primary role that's the most important thing to me is that I'm a, a pastor of a church and I serve people uh, through Life Church to help people really from all walks of life try to discover who Jesus is. And, and I serve with a lot of amazing people. And so my primary role is to share God's word through the church. Mm. So a lot of my pastor friends grew up and they knew like, this is what I'm going to do, man. Yeah. I'm going to start this little church or I'm going to follow my father's footsteps. Yeah, Your journey was a little different. No, it you, was. you like me, man, you wanted to be a normal kid. You didn't want to be a weird kid. You uh -huh. wanted to be normal. So talk about your normal upbringing. Well, I probably was a little bit of a weird kid anyway. And so, <laughs> and, but the normal part is, you know, like, like a lot of kids, I, I, mean, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted, then I wanted to be a doctor and, you know, a pro baseball player, but pastor was not in the top 100 things that I wanted to be as a kid. And so John, uh, we grew up going to church some, but just because we went to church, we actually were not committed disciples of Jesus. And so we would go at least on Easter and Christmas and maybe a couple extra times thrown out there for good measure, uh, through the years. And so, I did, my dad was a uh, minor league pro baseball player. So sports, that was a big part of our life. And I played baseball and some other sports. I ended up uh, getting injured and took up tennis almost as a joke, uh, made the team my freshman year. And by the time I graduated, I had a scholarship to a, a small NAI school. So I'm not saying my, I was great. I was uh, kind of a middle of the road NAI player, went to college and fell into every type of kind of wild thing that you know, a lot of college students fall into. And I was in a fraternity. I was the president of the fraternity at the time when four guys committed grand larceny. So they were going to, the school, little liberal arts Christian school, they were going to kick our fraternity off campus. And I, I decided to start a Bible study. It was, it was kind of a public relations move. But truthfully, <laughs> man, my life was so messed up that I was actually curious. And so I kind of did this PR move. And at the same time, I was wanting to know about the Bible, started a Bible study and all these non-Christian guys were like, bleepity bleep, I'm not going to your bleepity Bible study. And uh, I managed to get seven of them there on a Tuesday night and just started reading scripture. And that's how my life was changed. I started in Matthew, read all the way through, and I got to Ephesians chapter two, when I read about something I'd never seen before in the Bible, but it said that you could be saved, meaning you could be made right with God, not by your works, but by the grace of God. And so no person could brag about it, no one could boast. And, and I always thought I had to be good enough for God. And I, I always failed miserably, like never close to good enough. And that just, that changed me. So I, I prayed to prayer that was just from the heart, probably not even, you know, incredibly accurate of how you should pray, but it was, it was to God about wanting to, to, to give my life to him. And, 
And uh, when I started, before I prayed, I was one person. And, and after I prayed, he, he totally changed me. And that was the beginning of my journey um, in a totally different direction as a follower of Jesus. Well, you said a lot there. And I, I'm going to pull back the onion just a little bit in a couple yeah. pieces. The first is you started this Bible study, yeah. which seems like a worthy thing to do. Uh, one problem, it's usually a prerequisite for starting Bible studies. One, knowledge of what you're going to be talking about. And secondly... <laughs> a Bible from which yeah. you can read. You had neither. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I did not have a Bible. And I, uh, I was going to my business class and uh, walked into class, John. And I, I don't think I prayed because I wasn't that spiritual. But I remember thinking like, I don't have a Bible. Like, you know, if anybody cares, I don't have a Bible. And when I walked out, there was a, uh, a gentleman from the Gideon's organization that said, young man, would you like a free Bible? And that was on the very day that we had the Bible study. And it was that little free green Gideon's Bible that changed my life. What's really, really cool is I started telling that story and someone went and did some research and found out who was, you know, who were the gentlemen handing out Bibles at the time. And I ended up getting to meet the guy that was very likely the guy that gave me the Bible years and years later. His name is Mike and uh, he's still alive. And it was, was probably one of the most meaningful days for both of us to see mm. how his faithfulness helped change my life. So years ago, I was treated for burns, and there was a nurse named Roy who loved me well enough that eventually a little boy with no chance of surviving mm -hmm. would indeed come home from the hospital and eventually have a pretty solid life. Mm -hmm. One of our clients, 27 years later, tracked him down, flew him wow. to where the event was, and this, in quotes, ordinary nurse, the red carpet has rolled out to him, and he is celebrated wow. for, for the change agent that he was. Yeah. And it's this, I have a picture up on the wall right behind the camera of Roy and, and John O'Leary just hugging. And it's this uh -huh. moment. And I, I obviously did the work on you, man. I know your story. I know about Mike. What was it like for you to hug Mike and for Mike to hug this guy who not only his life, he helped change. Yeah. It was one like, that's good. Dude, you're running a massive organization that is touching lives, not only around Oklahoma City, but around the world. So Mike is hugging you, one person, mm -hmm. but he's hugging millions of people whose lives mm -hmm. in a small way he helped change. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I can answer that, but I think you would know exactly how it feels because you hugged Roy. And what's what's amazing is I can only imagine in your podcast community that there are so many Mikes and Roys right now that are faithfully doing what they do and often don't know just how big of a difference it makes. And so when you get to see that and express the gratitude to him, it was very, very, very emotional to me because I, number one, I never thought I would ever get to know who the guy was. It, he would just be a part of the story, but to see a person behind it and then to know that he went out day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, handing out Bibles and we just wouldn't know what happens. He would just like planting seeds and never getting to see the harvest, not just because of the impact that it's, our ministry is able to touch a lot of people, but just the way it touched me. I wanted to tell him thank you that, that God had used him to change my life. Yeah, that's special. You never know how much when a nurse gives you hope as a nine-year-old boy that you can overcome something and then go on to reach a lot of people. You, you never know how God might use one encouraging word, one, one moment in someone's life. And uh, I just, I, I hope there's someone out there listening right now that's a faithful part of your community that knows that what they do right now, it matters. It's, it's making a difference. And, and in years from now, they may get to see the story or may, maybe in eternity, but um, not, no good deed. Uh, goes unrewarded by God and, um, and, and many times blesses people's lives in, in such special ways. 
Indeed. And always, and in in ways we will never know this side of, of eternity. Right. You eventually enter into seminary, you pass seminary, but I've, I've read you, you almost flunked orientation. (laughs) Would you talk about that? So I was in a denominational church, one of which I still love, but I went to ordination. So midway through seminary, you could be ordained as a deacon. It was kind of like a half ordination. Then after seminary and a certain amount of time, you'd be ordained as an elder. So I came to the deacon's ordination, the beginning one, and sat in front of the ordaining board and they rejected me. So I, you know, I'd, le- I'd left my business job, which you know wasn't a real big job, but it's a you know first job out of college. Went all in, feeling called to ministry in seminary, full time ministry, full time seminary. Halfway through, and they said, "We don't think you have the normal gifts that most pastors have. You don't you don't have the um, typical profile." And so they put me on probation for a year. And and what I found is in most stories. Um, most people have that version somewhere something sure. doesn't go right and how you respond to it really matters and I, you know i was at the point of so discouraged thinking well maybe they're right maybe i don't have what it takes and there was another person he was this wasn't mike this was nick nick was my pastor who said you can't listen to what they say you, you are not who other people say you are you're who god says you are god says you're called to ministry and and that was uh, again you know, any story of impact always has lots of um, other people in that story. And he was one of those people in my story that helped me keep going. Mm. January 7th, 1996. Am I going to do Ben, you did your homework. You, you did your homework. Yeah. Well, I'm about done. I'm maxed out now. So okay. it's going to go downhill from here. I'm, next yeah. color question is going to be your favorite color. And then we'll go <laughs> even farther downhill. Yes. But on that date, your life changes. And so without you even knowing it yet. So well, limitless lives around the world, man, when you start a little church in a two car garage, take us back to that two car garage. Yeah, It was it was a snowy day uh, on Sunday in Oklahoma City, we had a little, uh, uh, we were planning on meeting in a uh, in our living room. And on Thursday before I was on a jog and a friend said, Hey, you want to meet in our little garage, we converted to a dance studio. So we had 40 people gather in a little uh, in a little two car garage. And we didn't have if you could see pictures of we didn't have anything that you would think a normal church needs to be a church. But we did have the Word of God. And we had people who loved God and we were able to sing and worship together. And it was just profoundly special. Uh, never in a million years would have ever, ever imagined that we'd have even a portion of the impact we're able to have today. But we sat there on that day and said, we want to be a church where no matter what people have done, they're welcome. And and every week we're going to present the gospel. We're going to tell people what it means as we've all fallen short of God's standard, every single one of us. We're going to tell them about the love of Jesus, who he is. He's the son of God who didn't sin, and he gave his life for us. He died, and God raised him from the dead. And that anyone, that doesn't matter who you are, anyone that believes in him, they could be forgiven. They wouldn't be the same. And so we just committed to do that on that day. And then um, little by little, week after week, we saw more people, um, their lives transformed just like yours was, just like mine was. And um, now we've got a lot of people that are sharing that same story with people all over the world. Mm. You started with 40. And I've heard you say in the past, you had, you had mirrors in the in the garage. So it was actually eight because you, as you looked around, everybody had two faces. So that yeah, was, it was perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What was the goal back then? Like your, your business mind and your yeah. business graduate and you're looking to see the church and grow it. But in those early days, what, how do you measure success? 
Yeah, so I did. I had a, I, I was a business, I had a business um, marketing degree. And when I became a Christian, I never thought to change it to a religion degree. I just didn't think to do that. So that was my background. But honestly, when I started the church, all that stuff was so far from my mind. I was just a new believer, had been a Christian and in ministry for five years with my pastor. And I just, if it had been 40 people for the rest of my life, I actually think I would have been happy about it because I just wanted to love people and preach the gospel. Uh, really, I didn't really have a goal, just like a numerical goal or anything. What happened when it started growing, and it didn't at first, it was relatively slow. Then I had to start learning some principles of essentially how do you manage this well in a way that would honor God and how do you create, how do you bring the right people around you, create the right systems um, and structure so that a growing group of people can be cared for well. And once it started to grow, oddly enough, most people get pretty excited. For me, it was just the sense of responsibility increased. And I'm sure that you would feel this. A lot of people would look at your life and say, I'd like to be like John. I'd like to speak to a lot of people and have a big podcast. And that is a blessing, but it's also a weight, right? It, you feel responsible for it. And so with any type of growing impact, there is also a growing sense of responsibility to, to, to get this right. And the key, I think, to all of it for me, John, along the way, was um, an ongoing dependence on God, which has never gone away, and um, assembling the right people. The right people matter more than you can ever imagine. Um, without them, we don't have much. With them, anything's possible. So that became kind of the next phase of the story, which was identifying those who were called, assembling the right team. And then, you know, if you're gonna try to give credit down, I'm gonna take very, very, very little and I'm going to give glory to God and credit to the people that are around me that helped create something really special. For those who don't yet know really about your church or your mission ministry globally, what became of that two-car garage? What are you now? Well, the church now is um, meets in 44 different locations in maybe a dozen states or so. And then um, the probably the most special part that will outlast all of us is, and this was not my idea, but one of our staff members uh, years ago, right before Apple came out with apps, uh, we had, we, John, we had created this little website that was, we we're trying to help people engage in scripture and it just didn't work well, but we put a lot of work into it. We were about to pull the plug on it. And Bobby Greenwald came in and said, hey, Apple's coming out with apps. And I was like, what's an app? You know, and he, and he said, I'm not sure yet, but he said, what if we took the work we did and created a Bible app? And so um, we had a we went and found a 19 year old part time staff member and said, do you think you can build an app? And this really smart kid is like, how hard could it be? And in about three and a half months, this one kid built a little rudimentary Bible app and that uh, we launched it on the first day apps came out on a Thursday. Then we didn't even check. We didn't know what. And someone said, hey, Sunday, let's see if anybody downloaded it. And we had 81,000 people had downloaded the app. And so the 19 year old kid on Monday, he had a full-time job, not a part-time job. And we started building it from there. And now the app's on um, over half a billion devices and it's, um, our church gives it away for free. So that's, that's probably the thing I'm most thankful for. Cause if you can imagine, uh, someone gave me a free Bible and that changed my life. And now we've been able to give away um, scripture in, in, you know, uh, almost every language possible, every translation yes. to half a billion people. That's something I'll be thankful for as long as I live. 
I mean, my, my friends who run teams or entire organizations or they serve as pastors almost unanimously deal with burnout. Mm. As you have grown from a two-car garage to an organization that has gotten the Bible into the hands of 500 million people around mm. the world while trying to stay married, while trying to raise six kids, while trying to usher them into adulthood, and mm. while trying to occasionally have time to take a bath. <laughs> Everything else that you're trying to do in your life, what, what has kept you not only in the game, but but fully engaged in the work mm -hmm. at hand? I, I would say that there were times when uh, the pain was so intense and my self-doubt was so intense that, that mentally I was maybe not fully engaged. I, I, I was fully in love with it, but not fully um able to bring my best at times and so in and um i wouldn't say it's been uh, almost 28 years of just flawless um contribution there are times when i think we all have our doubts there are times when physically we're better than others and so for me i mean i i just there's no way to tell you but the person i was and who i became by the grace of god is so real and the work through the church, I just love the church with mm. all my heart, love the church, love the church, love, love the church. And so you just can't take that out of me. I might be discouraged for a little season or I might be going too hard, but at the end of the day, I come back to that. And it's just, it, 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 I will do some form of this until the day I die because it's not just what I do, it's who I am, right? You know, you don't, you're, you don't just, you don't just speak, you don't have a podcast, but your life's been changed. And so it's an overflow of who you are. And, um, I would be, uh, I would be dishonest to say it's always been easy and there haven't been challenges, but I would also have to say that it's, uh, it, uh, I won't stop. I can't, I can't stop because of who God is and what he's done. Let's just stay in on that point for a moment longer. Hope. Uh, I, I got it. And I'll just be very candid with you and with our, uh, our three listeners. So here we go. Uh, on Friday last week, I got a text that a dear friend and a church brother and a rock up in our little community had passed away due to suicide. Mm. And it could not be more shocking mm -hmm. for this guy, for this family, for this mm -hmm. bride, for these little kids mm -hmm. who have lost their dad. Mm -hmm. And it just like, I'm still obviously rocked by this, but I walked into church on Sunday and this pastor who is stoic and beautiful and mm -hmm. filled with life and faith mm -hmm. came up to me. And I think he knows I'm, I'm a trustworthy guy. He just held me differently. Mm -hmm. You know, the kind where like this guy needed a hug that day. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, it, he comes back to me and he hugs me one more time. And we talk for about 30 minutes. My kids who love to run out to the car and run onto their day after church. Mm -hmm. They, they waited because they knew something was going on here, but mm -hmm. our pastor needed some love that day. Sure. So the question is around hope and it's around a guy like you, Craig, who deals with suicide and mm -hmm. loss and infidelity mm -hmm. and tragedy and diagnosis mm -hmm. and on and on and on and on. And the first call is probably to a family member, but frequently the second call is to you or one of the other guys on your staff. Man, we live in a broken world and those calls are coming in fast and furious. So what, what keeps you filled with hope? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm sorry for the loss of, um, of that pastor. And I know that that's just that's tragic. And um, interestingly enough, so almost 28 years at Life Church and about 35 years in ministry, 
I don't think I've seen um, more challenging seasons than you know, the last three years or so for people. Um, we, we all know that kind of the COVID time was complicated. Oddly enough, I think the season right after almost was more complicated for a lot of people. And um, we are seeing way more people that are, are suicidal. We're seeing more people battling with depression, anxiety, all sorts of mental health issues. And it can be um, it can be discouraging at times. I think the um, uh, what gives me hope is to see that the the power of Jesus is still real to heal, um, to forgive, to restore. Uh, my daughter was um, uh, served as an intern and just got hired as an associate youth pastor at one of our campuses, and she was out at a place and met a girl that was um, um, in the sex industry and was very suicidal and my daughter just listened to her cried with her and prayed for her and now this girl um has given her life to christ is being baptized um is serving at the church and that's like how, how does that how does that happen in a six-week period it doesn't it, it a life cannot be changed that much in a six-week period outside of the, the grace of god and so i just i have hope that jesus still forgives that he still heals that he still restores your, your life is that story you know you you shouldn't be here you, you, and if you are here you shouldn't be happy about it you should be, you should be miserable and yet um you're out you're out teaching hope and and so ultimately um if we keep our eyes in the right place even though there's a lot of darkness in the world the light still shines bright and the good news is the light shines even brighter into the darkness and mm. so yes there's a lot of darkness today but um, there's also more of a cry and a desperation for the light. And so now's a great time to share the light. Mm. Well, let's talk about the light because yeah. what, what, what you and I know is many of our listeners uh, have never been exposed to it. They, if they have, maybe they've been repulsed by it because there was something that happened early on in their faith sure. journey that, that showed them that this is not the way not the way and they'll never return to it and so they come into this podcast listening to it while jogging on a treadmill or driving to a work meeting or working in the garden yeah they're not believers they've never been to your church and they've never really understood the power of grace yeah. you speak about these things like they're facts mm -hmm. many of us come into this conversation either with doubts or repulsion to it yeah help us understand why we should be more open to it well, I think there's a lot of good reasons why people aren't, meaning there's a lot of hypocrisy in the world and people who claim one thing will live something else. And you can walk into a place and expect to see something good and God honoring. And then this oftentimes it's not there. And so I think we just need to start with acknowledging that. And then secondly, just to say, no matter what kind of impression that I make, you make, we make, we're still going to be flawed. So whatever someone expects of us to get things right our heart's going to be in the right place we're going to be repentant and um, try to do the right thing but we can still let people down so what we're not promoting is us we're not promoting an institution or an organization i would just say to anybody no matter what you've been let's just let's just look at jesus and consider who he is and the beauty is if you um have a wild lifestyle if you know if you've done a lot of crazy things he actually was be hung around people like that <laughs> and he says he didn't come for those who are self-proclaimed righteous but he came for the, the sinners he didn't he didn't come for those who were healthy but he came for the sick 
And so I'm one that was sick. I was one that was a sinner. I was one that was really hurting. And that's who he came for. So if ever, ever a Christian's kind of judgmental or looks down on that type of person, that's the type of person that God loves. And so I would just say, if you look at him, look at what he taught. He, he taught that he, he's the way. He taught, that, he taught about love and grace and forgiveness. And, and you see the way he treated the outcasts. That's special. Uh, so you don't have to always see it done perfectly in the church or in the religious world or even with people. But if you look at him, he's who we follow. Uh, and if you just read the gospel sometime, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, re just read it and look at Jesus. Look at who he is. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed not to like him. And chances are once you like him, you might even be drawn to him and wa want to become like him. Uh, it's powerful. It's, it's life-changing. He is, he is the son of God who came to love broken people, but he doesn't leave us there. He changes us. And it's, I do speak of it as fact because I believe it as fact. I believe that, that God does love you, that there's nothing you can do that's, that's too far for his love or his grace. And uh, I, I love that you've got a broad audience, John. I love that you've got people here that do want to be inspired and come from different backgrounds and um, I just say, get, consider, consider Jesus, just consider, look, look at him and see, see what happens. Well, let, let's keep looking at him through the lens of Craig Rochelle and see what we find. I'm going to, I'm going to read to you a few of the quotes that you have in your, what, more than dozen books. How many books have you now written, Craig? Probably, uh, I'm going to say around 18 or so, I think. So 18 books. I haven't gotten through all of them, but I've gotten through more than half of them. And three Amazing. of these quotes come from three of them. And then yeah. we'll get into the most recent release. Okay. And as I lay out these quotes, just tell me what they mean to sure. us. Okay. Here, number one, <laughs> all people end up somewhere in life, but few of them end up there on purpose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause that's from Kazon, which is a Hebrew word that means vision. And that, that's the reality is like your life today, when you look at your life, your impact, who you are as a parent, who you are as, as, as a husband, you did not end up there by accident. If you're going to end up somewhere significant, somewhere special, you have to be intentional about it. No one ever says, oh my gosh, I just accidentally became kinder. Or, oh my gosh, I just accidentally got in shape. And now I don't know how I did this, but I've got abs now. Or I just accidentally became disciplined in my company, accidentally became profitable. That we need to be very, very intentional. And no, nobody ends up, I mean, every, everybody ends up somewhere. Um, but what we want to do is we want to end up somewhere on purpose. And so I try to help people say, who do you want to become? Where do you want to go in life? Let's create a vision for it. Mm -hmm. And then let's go after it. And I think you've done a fantastic job of that to, to um, help people live inspired. That's your vision, your dream. And that's what you're doing every day. So if we want to have a life of meaning, we have to have some purpose. Here's what, here's who we want to become, or here's what we want to do. And then we're going to design our life in that direction so we can really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that keeps us from that is not only lack of vision and faith and clarity, but also yep. bitterness. Mm -hmm. So question number two is going to be around bitterness. Bitterness. The problem is that many bitter people don't know they are bitter. Right. Since they are so convinced that they are right, they can't see their own wrong in the mirror. And the mm -hmm. longer the root of bitterness grows, the more difficult it is to remove. Yes. Yeah. Sadly true, right? But I think probably today, John, more than ever before, we've got people that are um, the roots of bitterness have grown really, really, really deep. And we find ourselves thinking that we're right about everything and everybody else is wrong about everything. And, it, and it's unfortunately, 
that the root of bitterness, it destroys us. It, it, um, it rots us. It, it keeps us from being loving and productive. Um, just because we've been hurt doesn't mean that we can't heal. And so I like to try to help people learn how to overcome bitterness. Um, one of the great things we can do is, is scripture tells us to bless those who hurt us or to pray for them. And it's a very hard to do. Uh, but it's a very effective tool to pray for those who hurt you. There, there was a man, it's hard to talk about, but a man molested my little sister um, from the time she was in the sixth grade um, all the way through high school. And um, she was one of many people. And so if you can imagine the bitterness our family had for him. And so when we heard, you know, through scripture as, as new believers, we're supposed to pray for him, forgive him. It, you know, early on, I wanted to pray that he died, right? <laughs> Um, pray that he suffers. And I, I learned to start to pray like God just do something in his life. And eventually we we're able to pray for God to forgive him. What I found, John, is that your prayer for others may or may not change them, but it always changes you. And so by praying for him, we eventually as a family came to the place where we could forgive this man. And longer story, I don't want to spend too much time here, but before he actually passed away, he had muscular sclerosis. Um, we wrote him a letter um, a forgiveness and, and presented the gospel in there. And, and his um, nurse actually read it to him and she cried. And we heard later on that they both had prayed together. And so you, you never, you never know, but it was, it was a journey. Uh, but if I, if I still cared that hatred toward him today, I promise you, I couldn't love and treat people the way that I am mm. um, able to today. It's something that uh, is a real problem that needs to be dealt with. And I, you talked about it, it's unexpected. Well, that story was unexpected, and I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. So, thank you for your vulnerability mm-hmm. and your boldness of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is a journey. Well, and, and my a- my sister, she's I mean, she's amazing. She, she got to where she could forgive him, and, and to this day, she helps other people um, overcome the trauma of abuse. And um, so, God bless her for what she's doing. Mm. Thank you, and thank her, please, for mm-hmm. us. Uh, what, when I began the spiritual journey and trying to grow in my, in my Christian walk, I read a book relatively early on sent by a friend by John MacArthur, I think called 12 ordinary men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just reminded me like even broken people can be used for good. Right. So I'm, I'm on that journey, check into a hotel room, turn on this little channel where there's some Christian ministers preaching and, uh, there's a well-known one looking at O'Leary on the screen. So I know this guy's face. I recognize his voice. And then he says to me, John O'Leary, preaching to everybody in this large room, you, uh, what God wants for you, and I'm listening, is to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. Hmm. So that's what I heard in my hotel room, which did not sound like what other pastors and preachers who I'd follow in the, in the past were speaking about. And then I read this quote from you. It sounds a little different than healthy, wealthy, and happy. If we believe that God wants us happy above all else, Rather than acknowledging that our role is to serve God, we wrongly believe that God exists to serve us. Mm-hmm. God becomes a means to our end, happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting um, because a lot of people today, and there are some churches would say, yeah, above all else, you should always be happy. You should always be healthy. You should be, be wealthy. And in our world, in our circle, some people call that the prosperity gospel. Uh, I believe that there's a, a more accurate biblical view um, and that God does, I think, love his children to be blessed. But being blessed is a little bit different than happy. 
uh, if you look at scriptures, scripture actually says, be holy. God says, be holy as I'm holy. He doesn't say be happy as I'm, I'm happy. He says, be holy. So I think a lot of times people think, well, I can do whatever I want if that makes me happy. And that's just not true. We have a higher calling and that's, that's serving God, that's being holy. And then when we are, we may or may not be always happy because happiness is based on happenings, but we will be blessed. And the mm. same with health. I think it's, uh, when you look at scripture, God is a miraculous God. Um, he can heal people and he sometimes does and he doesn't always. And so if we think he needs to heal us all the time, then we're kind of putting ourselves in the, in the place of God. And the reality is we're all gonna die at some point, meaning that you didn't get healed that day. Uh, so what we wanna do is we wanna try to keep from making ourselves the center of the world and of our theology. Instead, we wanna make sure that we're, we acknowledge that God is God, that we exist to worship him, to serve him. And we do way better when we're in that spot because uh, then he actually works in all things. And sometimes it's the bad things, but he works in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So our, our, our goal is that we want to love him. Um, we want to love other people. We want to be called according to his purpose. And uh, our goal is not um, to have the most money, to be the happiest. Our goal is to love him best and love others. And then, then, then the blessings will come. But we seek first, scripture says this, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, not seek first what matters to us, but seek first what matters to him. And then everything else will be added unto you. So we, we put him first. Dude, we could spend a lot of time making sure that what we are pursuing is God's will and not ours. Yeah. Because getting that thing right uh, is a struggle for life. Speaking of a struggle for life, our mindset, uh, the, the journey between our ears, as you have noted repeatedly throughout your work, matters. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to share with you this quote and then pivot into the book that you just wrote and released. Our lives are always moving in the direction. I know you know this one well. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think will shape who we become. Right. So true, right? I mean, we, that our minds are incredibly powerful. And science proves it, and God's word said it even before science proves it that you know as a person thinks, so he becomes. Our minds are incredibly powerful, and so I wrote the book "Winning the War in Your Mind" uh, to really help people understand that there's a battle going on every single day between what we think about ourselves or about life, and between what God thinks about us in our life. And so that book is um, designed really to help people renew their minds, to stop believing all of the trash, the junk that we believe about, about ourselves, and to replace it with, um, with scripture. And there's a powerful verse you probably know that says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. And, and that's what God does. He renews our mind with his truth. And then you were talking about knowing the will of God, then you'll be able to test and prove what the will of God is, his good, pleasing and perfect will that um, we have to fight hard against the patterns of this world, because every day we're inundated uh, with lies about ourselves, lies about this world, and we need to renew it um, with God's truth. And so that's that's winning the war in your mind. And the new book that just came out is winning the war in your mind for teens. Uh, to try to help our teenagers because as you know as a parent of four uh, we got a lot of work to do to help our kids they need a lot of support nowadays the answer is obvious but i'll ask the question anyway yeah. why did you write the book well what for one is that uh parents were asking for a book for teens and two is my heart is full on um for 
the emerging generation. I always tell our team that if I couldn't be the pastor of Life Church, I would try to be the youth pastor of Life Church because <laughs> my heart bleeds for um, for our students. And a lot of times teenagers will say, mom and dad, you don't know what life's like. And people our age will say, oh, I do. It was the same when I was your age. And the truth of the matter is it's actually not the same. Uh, our teenagers now, our, our, our children are facing challenges that were not even on the map back when we were that age and the uh the rise in mental health challenges and, and suicide issues and um gender and and sexual confusion and the questions and the temptation and the peer pressure it's it's very very real very very complicated and so what i wanted to do is take um a book to really help teens and parents with their teenagers to learn how to recognize anything that's harmful in their minds and mm. and recreate neural pathways is what science would say you know and, and um to um help our minds focus on what's true because without it i'm i'm worried that um our our teens don't face a lot of uh, they've got more challenges working against them yes. and uh, we need to do everything we can to help them on a path that's going to be um create a life that's going to be god honoring and something that they're going to be proud of one of the first invitations in the book that you give teens, but really you're giving it to the parents and aunties and uncles and grandparents. So it's a book really worthy for anybody to check out is to replace the, remove the lie, replace with truth. Right. What are the lies that young people are either telling themselves or hearing from others today? Yeah. It'd be hard to even know where to start or stop, but yeah, it's everything from, you know, you don't measure up, you're not good enough you don't fit in, you're stupid, you're, ne you're never gonna make a difference, you're not like the rest of us, you have to live this life to be uh, approved. I, I think we know that social media has a lot of benefits. It also can be really, really hard emotionally um, on everybody, especially teenagers. And what's interesting about the teen brain is, um, the teen brain is developing. And yeah. what we know is that um, as teenagers, and I would have been the same way, we find it more difficult to complete tasks. Uh, we're not very self-disciplined. We don't process difficult emotions as well as teens. And so those are some challenges. At the same time, our, our brains um, are still growing. And it's at that point that we're able to bring them about and learn some of the most helpful um, disciplines or ways of thinking that can project us forward into the life that we want. So while the brains are still vulnerable, they're also pliable. And they're, we, we, they're open to neuroplasticity where we can help create new truths or understand truths um, that could be life-changing. So what we wanna do with our teenagers is we wanna help them identify what are the wrong things that are driving the way you think? Where are you believing lies about you? Where are you believing lies about your friends, about God, about life? And then what we wanna do is we wanna help them understand what is the truth? Anytime it can be grounded in scripture, it's even better. It can be just a truth about them. And what I like to do is really try to help them create or craft some statements that are very, very direct, very, very clear, and have them, well, I say this, write it, think it, confess it till you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it till you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it till you believe it. We're going to have them write the truth out, whatever it is. We're going to have them think it say it out loud until it starts to renew their minds. And, and we found tremendous success in doing this, working with all ages, identifying where the thought process is wrong, 
replacing it with what's true, and then just driving it in um, to, your, to your brain. You're not good at podcasts because it was accidental. You thought about it, you learned, you studied, you practiced, you got better at it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to renew our minds with truths. And uh, it's something as parents that if we're not actively helping our teenagers, then we will be passively allowing them to go with the flow of culture. And that's going to be hard on them. Mm. Just to play into that for a moment, a moment, anxiety mm -hmm. and depression and body image and suicide ideation and drug mm -hmm. use, all these things seem to be on the rise. Yes. How are you in your ministry in this book helping push back against that? Well, we do, first of all, we do have to acknowledge that it is on the rise. And so, you know, anyone that says, oh, it's not that big a deal, our teenage, teenagers aren't going through that much, they just don't understand. Um, those problems are on the rise. And again, why is it that um, someone might slip into drugs? Why is it that someone might uh, be anxious or, or have um, suicidal thoughts? There's a lot of different reasons and we wanna acknowledge all of them. We want a holistic approach, meaning wow. peer pressure is very, very real. Um, we can have some chemical imbalances in our body that are very real and make, make things um, more challenging. At its root, at its core, we're almost always going to have some kind of wrong thought process about something that keeps us stuck in that rut. It's a little bit like I, I had this uh, dog named Bandit years ago that would, I don't know why my dog in the backyard would run around this thing over and over and over and over again, just nonstop. Well, there was a rut in the grass from where Bandit would run. And that's what we do in our minds. We create a mental rut, rut or a neural pathway where the more often we think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought. And so when we're thinking the wrong thoughts, we end up believing lies and we believe them as if they're true. So what mm -hmm. we want to do is we want to take a holistic approach, meaning if we need to help our kid or if we need therapy or counseling or go to a doctor, we're going to do that. If we need to look for some different friends, we're going to do that. If we need to change some habits, we're going to change some habits. But at its core, what we need to do is uh, our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. If you don't like where your thoughts are taking you, you got to change your thoughts. And that's what we're going to work to do is identify where they're unhealthy, where they're unproductive, and then renew them with, with truth. And it's, um, it's a game changer. It takes a lot of work and I've had to do a lot of work on my own thoughts. I've had to work with my kids and, and there's oh, just anybody you work with is, is got room for improvement. Mm. Let's talk about those kids. You, I, I only have four. You, you topped me by adding two additional there's, kids. There's no such thing as only four. <laughs> four is a lot. Trust me, brother. Four, I feel I feel that pain in that four, comment. Right four there. moves you from a sedan to something else, either a minivan or a suburban. You're, you've tipped over. That's right. Well, uh, we're we're cruising in the minivan right now. So yes, I, I know what you're referring to. What did you do? Not looking back on it. Sometimes you don't know in real time you're doing something well. But looking back on it, you're like, man, I'm so glad Amy and I did that together. What are, mm -hmm. what are you grateful that you did for your kids? I, I would say this, that um, we, we took a little non-traditional approach to educating back before homeschooling was a thing. Uh, we we homeschooled all, all six all the way through. And what that actually gave us was just more time with them. And I'd say on, on any terms, converse ongoing conversation matters with your kids finding how to do life with them and so we we were really really intentional about keeping uh the conversation going and then we tried to work really hard like as a pastor of the church a lot of times 
you know, the church would could be a distraction from time with the kids. We wanted to include them in the church and yeah. not have it as a competing factor. So we gave them little roles and, and things to do early on. I would say the biggest thing that we learned to do uh, um, was learn how our kids connect because with six of them, they all have very different ways of connecting. Right. Some will talk in, in um, uh, uh, better in writing than others. Some like to talk late at night. Uh, some like to talk only after doing a long activity. And so we found out um, how do our kids in their own unique ways connect best. And then we designed our lives around connecting with them like that. Uh, keeping the relationship going matters so much. And especially from a Christian perspective, a lot of times parents can be really strict, really harsh, really limiting, and kind of like leading with truth. But that that leads to you know, rebellion a lot of times or resentment. And so when Jesus came, Scripture said he came full of grace and truth. And I can't mm. prove it, but grace comes first, at least in the verse. And so what we tried to do is we tried to lead with grace, meaning we know they're not going to get it right. We're not always going to get it right, but we're going to love them, love them, love them. And then truth um, is there, but truth is um, after we've loved them with grace. If we just if we lead with truth without grace, that tends to lead to rebellion. If we lead with grace without any truth, that tends to lead to license to do whatever you want. And so we want to have a healthy mixture of both of those things with an ongoing, open, transparent relationship. And so we have six kids that they talk to us and they sometimes they tell us more than we want to know, you know, but that's uh, that's that's probably the biggest contributing factor, I think, to helping keep them on the right path or help them find the right path when they've wandered off. Mm. Well, let's, let's wrap with that then. So this idea of them wandering off your right. kids, it seems they didn't wander all that far off. Right. Many of our listeners and maybe the guy interviewing you right now. Maybe their kids have wanted a little bit farther. Maybe they weren't able to homeschool. Maybe they weren't able to instill that grace and love and mm -hmm. law into their lives. And so these kids have tripped their way off, off the path. Mm -hmm. What's the encouragement for us parents to go back out there, to seek them, to draw them back in, to love them, and to have hope that in spite of what these kids or in spite of what the listeners have done, mm -hmm. that even better days are in front of them? Yeah, well, we, we you know, I just want to say clearly is we've had our share of challenges. We every every family does. No, no one's immune to that. And it's incredibly hard. One of the most painful things that you can go through is when your kids are um, living in such a way that's dangerous to them or counterproductive to the right kind of life. And so that can be really, really difficult. I would just say this several things. One is I really believe that prayer is powerful, that we can pray for our kids wherever they are ask for God's protection, ask for God to work in their lives. Uh, and then another thing that's really, really important is just for us to live a life of mostly consistency. If we're real hypocritical in the way that we live, it tends to repel kids really, really, really um, fast and far. So yeah. if we're living a life that is consistent with our values, they may not they may reject our values for a time but they'll still likely respect us to some degree and so we want to work toward that yes. and then i would just say too like if they're doing something crazy don't like don't yell don't overreact sometimes they just got to make bad decisions and learn on on their own and so it takes a lot of a lot of patience a lot of grace and never ever give up hope sometimes i found john that those kids that seem the farthest away are actually the closest because sometimes they're getting to the close to their breaking point or they're hurting. Don't give up. Don't try to control, continue to show grace, continue to pray. 
And I just believe that one day you're going to see the miracles that you've always hoped to see. Um, and they'll come back. You can be close. It'll never be perfect because we're always, we're always going to be human beings. But uh, in a good relationship, you can help create an environment where uh, good things tend to happen. Hmm. To uh, the right of the camera, I have this big old oil painting done by Rembrandt. I'm not sure it's the real one, though, Craig. And it's the picture of the return of the prodigal son. Oh, I love it. It's so good. And dude, his big old hands are over this broken kid's shoulders and his sandals missing. And it, it's this beautiful image of Powerful. love. Yeah. You exhibit that, you exude uh, that, you teach that. You. And I look up to that, man. So thank I thank you for that. We have seven questions that tether all of our guests together. They're rapid fire. We call them the Live Inspired Seven. Okay. Pastor Craig, here we go, man. Question number one, what's been the most influential or the best book you've ever read? Uh, well, does, is, am I allowed to say the Bible? You would not be the first to say the Bible. If you do say the Bible, you got to give me a book within the Bible, or you can think outside the Bible if you prefer. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll to, um, just, I would, I would say the Bible to think outside the Bible, the most influential, inspirational book that I've ever read. I would say, um, man, it's so hard. It's an old classic. And there's some parts of it that are manipulative, but I just love the idea of, of loving and caring for people. Um, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, I think is just, we want to be, we want to be loving in our approach to people. And so I'd probably put that book uh, up at the top. What's one positive characteristic or one trait that you possessed as a little kid growing up, riding on top of the handlebars that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? Uh, I would say, yeah, riding on top of the handlebars is when I, right before I went to the hospital. So I would say <laughs> that, um, when I was a kid, I, uh, I was more carefree and, uh, now I take things sometimes too seriously. I wish I was, I wish I was more carefree and had more fun and was lighter in the way I approached life. Mm. Thank you. Super honest answer. This is a very disciplined guest, by the way. We did not even unpack how disciplined you are, but it's an amazing thing. Thank you. If your home caught fire uh -huh. and your family is out, your animals are out, and you have an opportunity to run back in and grab one item that really matters to you. Yeah. What's the one thing you would grab, Craig? I would say I would if I'd probably go grab as many photos as I could that are the, the old school ones that aren't staved. And then if we get outside of that, um, I would say that the uh, the Bible that brought me to faith in Christ, I would I would grab that if I had time for two things along the way. If you could sit on a bench on a gorgeous Oklahoma City day and have a long conversation with anyone, living or deceased, who would you like to be seated next to? Man, I'm, you're, gonna, you're just going to sound just like stupid, but I just would pick my wife. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just really would, and and I I just I mean I just really would. Like I sound like I do that right now. Let me say this about you and your wife. Most of the time when there's a celebrity, and I know you would never view yourself as that, but the reality is if the shoe fits, maybe you should wear it. You are well-known all around the world. Frequently, that person personality is so big that they love the light. What I've noticed in every single interview I've ever seen with you and your wife, and every single time you two have shared a stage together in a church or anywhere else, you always deflect to her. And it's this beautiful yin and yang of mutual respect you have for one another. So you may say that, and it may sound cheesy to my listeners, mm. but as a guy who has followed you for a long time, it may be cheesy, but it's true. It's so just I'm, true. 
I'm just glad you're sitting with your wife and you're having the time of your life with your best friend. Yeah, thank you. It's it's uh, I consider that the greatest blessing. I don't deserve her at all. And and, and it's just it, she just really is just, I have more fun with her. I'd rather be with her. It's a pretty day. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking her. What's the best advice Amy or anyone else has ever given you? I uh, when when we were starting the church, a guy named Gary Walter set me down. And he said, uh, he said, first of all, he said, I'm, I got a promise for you. And he said, you're going to be broken. And I thought that's not the promise I wanted to hear, but it was true. Then he said, uh, he said, I want, I want to tell you this, that you're going to overestimate what you can do in the short run. Uh, and that's, I promise you it's true. And it was so true, John, because in the early years, like I told you, we worked really hard and didn't see the bigger impact that, that could have been possible. And he said, you're going to vastly overestimate what you can do in the short run, but you'll vastly underestimate what God can do through a lifetime of faithfulness. And at the time, I didn't quite get that. But now, you know, decades later, I recognize it's really, really true that most of us were really disappointed because we're not moving forward as fast early on or whatever. But when you show up and you live with integrity and you serve people and you do the right thing consistently year over year, um, decade over decade, you can create something special. And that's, you know, that's been your story. When a lot of people would have been discouraged and would have given up, you chose to take something that was difficult and turn it into a platform to help inspire others. And so um, that would be the uh, advice that stands out in my mind as being most true and most helpful. Two more questions. If you could go back in time, Craig, and whisper some advice or encouragement or wisdom to yourself at age 20, what would you say? Uh, at age 20, I would tell myself that... Um, God is more faithful than you can imagine. So quit freaking out. Like quit freaking out. Like, like I have, I've worried and obsessed about so many things that have worked out is just crazy. I've lost, I mean, I've just, I'm highly wound up and I say, <laughs> God's going to take care of you, man. Chill, relax, bro. It has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. Pastor Greg Rochelle, mm -hmm. how would you like your one sentence to read? As someone's going to summarize my life, um, I would I would hope, and this sounds, I, I would hope someone would, I, I, I hope they'd say he really was a real deal. Is That's what I'd, you know, for whatever we've lived and said, I hope that they say he really, he really believed that he was a real deal. Craig, man, thank you for being the real deal. Thank you, thank you for sharing truth and thank you for your profound eternal impact. It does thank matter. You. Thank you for your heart, man, and your and your just your passion and your your genuine love for people shows. And um, I appreciate you. You did a lot of homework, obviously, and and uh, you you know I know that your community knows, but you work really hard to provide good content for them because you care about them and you want a lot for them. And so thank you for doing that. That's you're you're one of the um, you're one of the greats out there. So it's been an honor to, to serve with you today. And I love you. God bless. Continue boldly. Okay. Well, my friends, I told you on the front side of this episode that you were going to love it. I told you that you would be moved and inspired by it. I reminded you to buckle up, get ready for the ride, bring along your live inspired journal and pen, take notes and get ready to ignite the limitless possibility of your life. I also told you that you would leave this episode with a new friend. Craig is the kind of guy who, the first time he meets you, he makes you feel seen, he makes you feel valued, he makes you feel like you are worthy. 
and in a marketplace that so frequently pushes us away and cheapens the value of life and our life. Isn't it cool to have guys like Craig in the marketplace reminding us that we matter and so does everybody else. One of my favorite quotes shared today was this one. Even though there is a lot of darkness in the world, the light still shines bright. Light, it turns out, shines even brighter in the darkness. Yeah, we all face seasons of challenge. Whether it's personally, professionally, or in the most important relationships, we can't ignore the darkness. That's part of life. And yet, and yet, my friends, we can choose to focus on the light and the truth that the best is yet to come. That is good news today. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, there's a couple things I want you to do. Number one, tell your friends about the Live Inspired podcast. You can do that while you're working out, while you're working, while you're worshiping, while you're walking through the grocery store. Just grab her right now and say, dude, you should check out the Live Inspired podcast with my friend, John O'Leary. It's one way to share it. Alternatively, on social media, make sure that you've rated and reviewed the show. That's one way to get in front of new audiences. And if you enjoyed this message, this one specifically today, as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you, why not check out one that is similar to it and just as powerful? It's with my buddy, and this guy is my friend. His name is Dr. Tim Jordan. He and I share board responsibilities on Big Brothers Big Sisters. He is passionate about young people. Tim's going to share his common sense approach that enables parents and people who love kids to be more confident, more effective in reducing conflict and drama while remaining strong influences in children's lives throughout adolescence and into early childhood. If you want to learn more about how we can be part of some person's positive journey going forward, well, and who doesn't, then check out my interview with Dr. Tim Jordan on Live Inspired Podcast Episode 330. You can find that at episode 330, or you can find it by letting your fingers do the walk and by cruising over to the Live Inspired Podcast channel at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. One more time, family, johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast, and we will have in the show notes a link to Tim Jordan's interview. I want to thank you loudly for being part of our Live Inspired podcast family. I want to thank you for believing like I do, that the darkness is real, but that the lightness cuts through it, the foundation is firm, and the best is yet to come. So for this time and until next time, my name is John O'Leary. Today is your day. Live Inspired. You know that Keeley Companies is all about fostering the world-class culture through their incredible cultural pillars. Well, it was time to add a seventh cultural pillar, Keeley Green. Guided by the mission to raise the sustainability standards by which they design, build, operate, and live, Keeley Green is dedicated to using a holistic approach to leave a positive impact on our environment, create a future that is sustainable for generations to come, in the words of Rusty Keeley, we are just getting started. You can learn more about that just getting started mentality and all the work they do by visiting my friends at Keeley Companies online at Keeley